0: title of the message this morning is the Lord's Prayer. That's what I'm sharing on this morning, the Lord's Prayer. And so long, you're welcome to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We'll get there momentarily. We're looking at this beautiful piece of scripture, this beautiful model of prayer that Jesus was sharing with his disciples as he was teaching them how to pray. And I'd like to say first something of of a little bit of a story as an introduction, if I may. You see, there was a day when the Lord's Prayer was sung every week in schools across South Africa. Do you know that? There was a day. Can you believe that? Sometimes when you've moved so far from something, you think, well... How did we ever move so far? But there was a day when the Lord's Prayer was sung each and every week in schools right across our country. Most public schools had hymn books. And usually in the back of the hymn book, you would find the Lord's Prayer. And that would be a way in which they would often end the weekly assembly or perhaps start it, whatever may have been the case. And here schools and young people would be taught to honor God here they would be taught to sing the Lord's Prayer. Many of them had no clue what they were really singing about, but in many a heart, I believe it made a difference. And it was wonderful that that took place. I think of myself. The first school I went to is Brooklyn Primary School. I never went to a nursery school. These days. gee, there's so much nursery school and grade zero and zero zero and double naught, triple naught and plus naught and B and whatever. I don't know. There's so many things. <clears throat> I just started, six years old, I went to school, my first school, Brooklyn Primary School. And I can remember we had green hymn books, little green hymn books, they must have had, I don't know, 220 songs in them or something like that. And woe be it to you if you forgot your hymn book for assembly, Mr. Morgan Soliopitz, you would have been in big trouble. You had to bring your hymn book. To school. You had to bring it always to assembly. And Mrs. Hamilton Jones, she was the school music teacher and she was the pianist and she was a, an interesting looking lady. She had a hairstyle like Marge Simpson at the top of the back there. Her hair was jet black. There was this baby grand that looked so beat up, but baby, could she play that piano? And she would start to, you know, and you'd all sing together in, in assembly. And here she would always close off assembly, leading us into the Lord's prayer. Wow. And I remember that as a young person, as a young boy, that made a real deep impression upon my life. It really did. It stirred something in my heart. And I want to tell you, even way back then, as a little boy of approximately seven or eight years of age, I was impacted by the power of the Lord's Prayer. It was beautiful. It was, a, it was wonderful to pray in public schools. It was wonderful to sing the Lord's Prayer in public schools. And, and how I wish schools would return to pray. It would make such a difference In our nation. But nevertheless, the power and the beauty of the Lord's prayer remains. The power, that authority of the prayer remains nonetheless, even though it's not sung in schools today necessarily. And I believe that this prayer can still transform your life. This prayer can still be seen as something beautiful and rich. And you can cherish it and you can allow it to speak into your heart and change you this prayer. Now, Matthew 6, verse 9 is the scripture that we're looking at. You have it in your Bibles. It will also appear on the screen. Matthew 6, verse 9 to 13, this is the Lord's Prayer. And here Jesus is teaching them, and he says, in this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed Be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation. Isn't that an interesting line? And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Do you say amen to that? What a beautiful prayer, isn't it beautiful? And this is a wonderful prayer to pray, and I want to say to you, I believe we should pray the Lord's Prayer. Every now and again, I believe it's good that you just pray that prayer. How many of you actually know the Lord's Prayer off by heart? Raise a hand if that's you. Wow, many, many hands going up. All those that were in school and sung it, eh? <laughs> Maybe not with Mrs. Hamilton Jones and her beatbox, but you sung it nonetheless. And so this is a prayer that we should pray. Yet some people are of the opinion if you pray the same prayer over and, over and over and over and over and over and over again, it becomes more effective. I wonder if you feel that that's the case. I think of some of the Catholic people. Let's say, imagine a Catholic context here and you have uh, a nun who's speaking to little Reggie. And Reggie has stolen cookies from the, the kitchen, and so the nun is giving him a hard time and says, my boy, you did what was unthinkable. And for that, you need to say say, say six Hail Marys. So the little kids are, going to say six Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. And they train almost to pray in like a mantra style. But you know what? I believe that some of that may have influenced Protestant Christianity. And some of, some of us and some uh, of the evangelical world, the Christian born-again world, have perhaps been influenced by that way of saying a prayer over and over again and almost like a chant. And you think that if you do that, you're more effective. Our Father, on in heaven, holy be thy name. I can come the Lord, be done. You know, you say it again. And uh, for, you know... Sometimes that's the way people pray they, for their food. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Also say, bless you, Lord, Jesus' name. Amen. Rub it up, Doug. Thanks for the grab. Amen. You know, they're like so fast. A, and some people pray the Lord's Prayer like that. Our Father, I don't want be there. I don't come. And then I pray it again. And I pray it again. And they think that somehow, by praying like that, whew, the cloud's going to come in and stuff's going to happen. And God's going to really hear their prayer. But you know what? The Bible refers to it in that same chapter, I believe, as Vain repetitions. Don't be think that you'll be heard by your many words. Pray sincerely from the heart. And I believe that we don't need to pray with vain repetitions. But we need to pray, realize that we are speaking to the Father. Nobody speaks to one another with such a rapid flow of words. You are talking to your other Father. Let's not get into vain repetitions. And so here Jesus... In Matthew chapter 6, I believe he is not teaching his disciples to say a rhyme over and over again like a chant, but he is actually teaching them the principles of prayer. Would you say principles of prayer? Principles of prayer. That's what he's teaching. And so let's take a look at five principles of prayer. Number one. When you pray, honor his name. Won't you say that with me? When you pray, honor his name. The scripture says in Matthew 6, verse 9, which is on your screen, it says, In this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Would you please say the word hallowed? You've probably heard the story about the little boy who came home and said, I've come home from Sunday school and discovered that Harold is God's name because, you know, Harold be thy name, but that's not the case. It's the word hallowed. It's not a very well-known word in South African language, but this is the word that we find in Scripture. What does the word hallowed mean? Hallowed means the following. It means to respect. It means to revere. It means to worship. And to esteem. So when it says, hallowed be your name, it means that the name of the Lord should be esteemed. The name of the Lord should be revered. That is the purpose behind what Jesus is saying here. I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you revere the name of the Lord your God? Think about that. Do you revere the name of the Lord your God? And to me, this is also so important that as parents, we teach our children to honor the name of God. I want to tell you, my dad taught me reverential fear for God. He taught it to me through things that he said, but primarily he taught it to me through the way in which he lived his life. And he told us as sons, he says, you don't mess with God. He says, God is not your cosmic buddy. He is the almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth. And his name is to be honored and revered and never used in vain. And you honor the name of the Lord. And I want to tell you, uh, to all the parents here, your children are looking at you. They're looking at the things that you say and your attitude towards God. And if they see a reverential fear of God in your heart, chances are it'll just be in their hearts. Through the very influence of your example. So let us teach our offspring to honor his name. Can you say amen? Exodus 20 verse 7 says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. When I think of how many people in Hollywood and in the world out there, unbelievers, are using the name of God in vain, I shudder to think the consequences that they will face. But the Bible does say the Lord will not hold him Guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And I want to say to you, if you're listening to me today and you have ever used the, the name of the Lord in vain, you humbly get on your knees before the Lord and you ask for forgiveness for that. And then you determine that you will turn away from ever doing that. Even in the greatest moments of your stress, an upset or a car accident, you will never use the name of the Lord in vain. But instead, you will move into a new dimension as the righteous you, declaring his esteem, declaring his praise, and making sure that you will always honor and esteem the name of the Lord. Malachi 1 verse 11 says, From the rising of the sun to its setting... My name will be great. Would you say the word great? Amen. My name will be great, says the Lord, among the nations. And so here Jesus, as he's teaching his disciples, he's teaching them to worship as they pray. They teach, he's teaching them to honor him, honor God when praying. Would you please say this after me? Honoring God, Honoring God. And, prayer. and prayer go hand in hand. So true. So when we pray, there needs to be that honoring that comes up. Many times when I begin to pray, I often find that very soon I'm saying things like, Lord, thank you. You're so wonderful. Thank you for your goodness. I, I praise you, Lord. It just seems to come out. And, uh, and I believe that that is when you pray, honor his name. Number two, when you pray, come into an agreement for kingdom establishment. Now I'm not going to say a whole lot on this point because we have already spoken a great deal about the kingdom this year. But just to look at verse 10 of Acts uh, sorry of Matthew chapter 6. It says, "Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven." Do you realize that in heaven everything happens in complete agreement with the will of God? Everything functions in perfect harmony. Everything functions in perfect alignment in heaven. There is nothing that is wrong, out of place, wicked or unrighteous in heaven. It all happens in perfect alignment with the will of God. And so this prayer, the Lord's prayer, is interceding that that same reality in heaven of the divine order would begin to manifest on earth. That same thing, Lord, where you, you are totally, Lord, your will is been aligned to in heaven, let it be so on earth. Let it be so on earth. And so when you pray, we need to be mindful of the kingdom. This is a principle of prayer. That kingdom aspects come into prayer life. If you are a person who you're praying regularly, but you never, ever Refer to praying about God, let your purposes come about, or or let your will be done, or praying for the kingdom of God. I'd like to submit to you that there is still something missing in your prayers. It's the principle of kingdom agreement, coming into agreement that God's kingdom would be manifest. It's a principle that Jesus was teaching his disciples. Number three, this is an interesting one. When you pray, make demands upon his provision won't you say that with me when you pray make demands upon his provision now some of you might have felt a little nervous to uh, to make that statement but let me just say look firstly at Matthew 6 verse 11 it says give us this day our daily bread now imagine I walk up to you and I say hey Alec Give me my daily bread. (laughs) I walk up to you. Hey, say, Dave, give me today my daily bread. That sounds perhaps a little bit self centered. Am I right? A little bit like consumerism or, or, or something like that. And this verse may tend to sound a little self centered, but that's not actually the heart behind this verse. Because it's not about being a dissatisfied customer who demands his pound of meat. And by the way, I hope you're not that kind of person in a restaurant that is obnoxious with the waiters and says, Who's, what's the steak? I wouldn't even give it to my dog. <laughs> I was in a restaurant a, a while ago and I heard the guy at the table next to me, he said, what do you call this? Uh, steak, sir. Steak, sirloin, steak. Steak. And then he says, I wouldn't even give it to my dog. I thought to me, my goodness, sir, you should be ashamed of the way you are behaving yourself. But anyhow, so this is not about being self-centered or being a demanding customer, but it is about calling upon God's provision. And I want to say to you loud and clear today, you can call upon his provision, That's very quiet. You can call upon God's provision, and you don't have to be shy to do that. It's about calling upon His provision. It's about calling upon what He desires to give you. It's about calling upon what He has already stored up for you, accessing that and taking advantage of the blessings that He has made available to you. And it says in Psalm 31, verse 19, it says, how abundant... Are the good things. Would you say good things? How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you? And I believe that that is not just spiritual blessings. But God has good things of a practical nature as well. So what are we saying? That God invites us to call upon his provision. We must not be shy. The Bible says you have not because you ask not. So go ahead and ask. Go ahead and ask for your daily provision. Be at liberty to ask for your daily bread. Now, this is the phrase that the Bible uses, daily bread. Now, it's interesting. The commentator, John Gill, says the following. He says, when God speaks of daily bread, it refers to all the necessities of life. Don't you like that? Because some people might think, well, she, I can just get bread. <laughs> I can just ask God for some bread, you know? And there's nothing else, but He'll give me enough bread so that I won't peg, if I can put it that way. <laughs> now, it's so wonderful to realize that He's looking at all the necessities of life. Think about some of the necessities that you might be facing right now, and think about taking a bit of a step and saying, God, will I want to ask for what you have stored up for me? Listen to what Martin Luther wrote. And as I read this, I can just realize that Martin Luther understood something about the Lord's Prayer. Martin Luther wrote this in 19, not 19, in 1529. This is what he said. What does daily bread mean? Everything that nourishes our body and meets its needs, such as food, drink, clothing. Shoes, house, yard, fields, cattle, money, possessions, a devout spouse, devout children, devout employees, devout and faithful rulers, good government. Oh God, we ask for good government. Give us our daily bread in terms of that. Peace, health, discipline, honor, good friends, good neighbors. And all sorts of things like this. Isn't that encouraging? So we can go ahead and ask. I like the prayer of Jabez because here Jabez says, Oh God, bless me indeed. And sometimes we feel a little bit sort of bad to ask God to bless us. But we were encouraged through that prayer of Jabez, Go ahead and ask for that blessing. In the same way, go ahead and ask for your daily bread. So I want to encourage you to take the liberty in a new way. It is perfectly okay to call upon God for the university fees that you are needing. It's perfectly okay to call on God for the accommodation that you're needing. It's perfectly okay to call on God for groceries. God, I need some groceries for the, for the weekend now and for what we're facing. God, I call upon you. Would you give me my daily bread? Would you give me my groceries? Lord, I call upon you for clothing. You know what? It is okay to call upon God for your personal needs. And I want to encourage you, take the liberty. Be more ready to do that. And in this context, let me say that this doesn't mean that we must be lazy and refuse to work, etc. Not at all. Work is part of life. Work is actually a blessing. But we recognize that God is our sustainer and provider. And we need to learn to trust God for our provision and not worry. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, point number four. When you pray, let forgiveness flow. It says in verse 12 of our chapter, Matthew 6, And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, unforgiveness remains one of the greatest ills of humanity. It can cause untold damage and pain. It can poison people's lives. It can result in some of the worst pain and difficulty. And counselors will tell you that some of the major things that they end up counseling is oftentimes unforgiveness. Unforgiveness, unforgiveness, unforgiveness. And also another major thing is rejection that they end up counseling. And so if we can be willing to forgive more freely, the chances are you will need to see a counselor less often. (laughs) If we can just learn to let forgiveness flow, let it flow freely. The scripture says in Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, it's on your screen, we can put up uh, those two ones, those first two scriptures, Matthew 6, 12, and Matthew 6, 14 and 15. It says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. Doesn't that say that this is serious stuff? It is serious. You see, because if we are going to be withholding forgiveness from other people, this is what happens. You are saying yes to a spiritual blockage in your life. And many people don't realize it. They just think, well, this person's upset me, and I'm angry at them, and I'm just not going to forgive them. In the same words, they're saying, I'm allowing a spiritual blockage in our lives, my life. Now, nobody would intentionally want a spiritual blockage. But let me tell you, unforgiveness is a thing that sometimes it comes in, and unwittingly, unknowingly, you have allowed a blockage into your life through unforgiveness. And then sometimes it ends up that you're sitting in a counselor's office and you've got all these crazy things going on. You've got all these symptoms and so on. And at the end of the day, they point to you that there's a spiritual problem here. And the root of it is unforgiveness. And as that is dealt with, freedom comes in that area. And I want to say to you, don't let unforgiveness block up your life. will not you say that to the person next to you? Don't let unforgiveness block up your life. So when you pray, let the river of forgiveness flow. The Bible says in Matthew 10 and verse 8, freely you have received, freely give. And you can also say, freely you have received forgiveness. It is right and appropriate and just that you would then step out and forgive as well. Now let me tell you something. Have you ever noticed you'll be spending a few quiet moments with God in prayer? And early on in the time as you begin to pray, somebody comes to mind as somebody that has wronged you. Has that ever happened to you? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Apparently it's only you and me, Bruce. <laughs> Bless the Lord for these saints that we minister to. <laughs> okay, come on, get real with me. You've been praying and, and suddenly a name comes up and you think to yourself, sure, that upsets me. That person wronged me. I believe that many times when you pray, the reason why that comes up is because you are more sensitive spiritually. And I believe it could be even the Holy Spirit bringing this to mind, making you realize that this is a situation that you need to deal with. And if that happens, let's be quick to forgive. Let's not delay. And this is the principle of prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And he said, you know what? Your prayers are are going to be more effective because there's no hindrance, there's no blockage. You are moving ahead. You are moving ahead. And as you pray, you think of something that's distressing, you just forgive, you release. Let that river of forgiveness flow. Number five, which is the last principle of prayer that I'm sharing with you. When you pray, depend on God to conquer temptation. Won't you say that out loud with me? When you pray, depend on God to conquer temptation. The scripture says in verse 13 of our text of Matthew 6, it says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, would you look closely at that line? Do not lead us into temptation. That's fascinating to see that in the Lord's Prayer. Do not lead us into temptation. I want to ask you this question. Think about it carefully. Does God ever tempt you think about that carefully. I want to ask you again: does God ever tempt you? The answer is no, certainly not. And this is backed up by James 1, verse 13. It says, Let no one say when he is tempted. Let's bring up that scripture, James 1:13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So praise God, when you face temptation, know that God is not tempting you. Let's be clear on this. But in Matthew 6, the word that is translated temptation does not mean enticement to do evil, but it means actually testing. And I want to say, yes, loud and clear, God will never tempt you. But I do want to say, God will allow times when you will be tried and you will be tested. We see that throughout Scripture, that He allows those times to take place. It's completely different from temptation. but times of testing and times of trial, He does allow. And you might say, why on earth does God need to do that? Let me tell you. I believe that he wants to refine you and he wants to refine me and make us more like Jesus. I believe that the reason why God allows those times of testing is that he wants to teach us to become more dependent on him and less dependent on ourselves. And here's another reason why God tests us. He wants to strengthen your character. And that is a good thing. We shouldn't shy away from those times, and the Bible says, you know, count it all joy when you face all these trials and testings, and knowing that God is working on your character. And so this is so important. And the point is that we need to depend on God in the face of temptation. Let me say that again. You and I, folks, we need to depend on God in the face of temptation. You might be sitting home alone, it's late at night, 10.30, 11, 11.30, and you've been flicking through the sport channels, you've been flicking through the news channels, and and suddenly you get tempted to flick to one of those channels, which could be, let's call it a little bit more raunchy. What do you do? I want to tell you right then is the time to flee from evil. Right then is the time to make a choice for righteousness and to depend on God to help you to conquer that struggle and that thing that you are facing. And I also want to say, do you realize that all Christians face temptation? Sometimes when we face temptation, we think, well, it's only us. But I want to tell you, everyone faces it. But the good news is, but God can keep you from falling. Don't you like that? God can keep you from falling. It says in Jude 1, verse 24, it says, He is able... To keep you from falling. I want to tell you, no matter what tempting and test, a temptation and stuff comes your way, God can keep you from falling. You do not have to fall. And it says, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Won't you please say this after me? When facing temptation, I will depend on God. He can keep me from falling. falling. My My God is able. Now let's just move to the last line of the Lord's Prayer. And it says in this beautiful last line, For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. When you read that line, it should make you realize the grandeur, the greatness of our God. Because that is true. His is the kingdom, the glory, and the power forever and ever. Amen. And so what we see effectively is the Lord's prayer starts off by honoring and glorifying God. And here the Lord's prayer ends off with honoring and glorifying God. And I want to tell you part of your prayer life, a principle of your prayer life is that glory, in God, glory and honor goes up to God as part of your prayer life. Just to recap quickly, we've said that there are five principles of prayer. Number one, when you pray, honor his name. Number two, when you pray, come into agreement for kingdom establishment. Another principle is when you pray. Number three, make demands upon his provision. Number four, when you pray, let forgiveness flow. And number five, when you pray, depend on God to conquer temptation. How many of you can say amen and amen? amen? Wonderful. Now, would you please stand? And I'm going to ask that we close off singing the Lord's Prayer together. How about we do that? All right. I'm just wanting to find the right key here. Okay. You all know this song? Let's sing it together. Our Father who art in heaven Hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come Thy into temptation but deliver us from evil for kingdom for thy his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his smile upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. And we all say amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. God bless you.